Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast. Today, I would like to start the podcast with a question. What did you do after you graduated? I can tell you what my next guest did. Human Asimi looked at the humanitarian crisis that was going on after his graduation and he decided to act on it. He founded Society in Motion. Society in Motion is a social enterprise that helps newcomers in the Netherlands to find jobs, to find opportunities and to connect with the society. In this podcast, we look back at the last three years, the highlights, the lowlights and all his projects that he has started in the past three, three and a half years. We talked about immigration rights, xenophobia and what goes wrong on a political level. I was very happy that I could be part of the journey and of a very inspirational speaker, a social entrepreneur with passion to help other people in need. I hope you enjoy listening to this fantastic podcast in 301. Human, welcome to the 301 podcast. Marcus, thank you so much for having me. And uh, before we get started, I want to, I told you that story before, but I also want to tell the listeners, it's actually quite funny how we got together because yeah. we studied at the same university. We never met each other. We studied in the same city, which is super small, like 100,000 inhabitants. But when I started 301 six years ago, I texted you on LinkedIn. And yeah, um, yeah I, I think at one point you accepted that request. And we never spoke to each other again because 301 then I think was already on ice. And now after six years, I saw your name coming by on LinkedIn and I was like, hey, I wanted to interview that guy. <laughs> so I hit you up again and yeah. now here we are in the interview. So that's Thank amazing. Thank you so much for reaching out. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's it's a pity we've never got to meet each other in the best city in, in the, the whole world, city. which is Leovarde. Truly, I'm not joking. People think I'm sarcastic, but I love that city. Yeah, it's super nice. And but yeah, now we are here. I just heard in the introduction that you are living now in Den Haag. So I think that coffee will come very soon when the yes, restrictions please. are lifted. Again. Yes, for sure. And before we get into it, um, I want you to also give you the chance to introduce yourself quickly, uh, who you are and what you do. Uh, who am I? That's a good question. I, I am a social entrepreneur. I really care about making impact. I don't really, I really don't care about money. I, I care about uh, social impact and I care about um, solving difficult uh, problems that eventually will help people. Um, that's, that's basically all you need to about me, because that's, that's <laughs> the essence of me and, and the rest is driven by that. The rest is built around um, that really impact centric kind of, kind of worldview. Um, mm -hmm. I live in The Hague, the, the city of, of peace and justice, you know, uh, and, and which is really suitable to, to the kind of topics that I work on, which is mostly forced migration. Um, do you want to know something about my private life or uh, should, should I? Uh... If you want to. <laughs> like okay. your so I, I, I play a lot of instruments. Actually, I'm recording um, this through my microphone, through my looping instrument, which, which I used to loop several instruments at the same time, which you can use as an external sound card, which is funny enough. Um, no, you can hear the quality there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but you're also using a cool app um, to make this possible. But uh, so I play a lot of instruments. I love making music. Um, I'm not good at making music. I just love making it. <laughs> and uh, um, I love I love being social. Love going out. So this is this is a trying time for all of us. Um, last year I've been to 14 festivals, 
uh, half work related, half uh, pleasure related. So um, this this year has been uh, has been kind of rough uh, when it comes to that scene, but I know good times will be ahead. So you know, there's that to look forward to. Yeah, I agree. Do you believe in destiny? Oh, I love how we're going directly deep. That's good. That's good. Destiny, destiny, destiny. How would you define destiny, Marcus? Yeah, how would I define destiny? Um, that you have a calling and you are at the right place at the right time and that all the time. I think that that would be for me like my definition of destiny. Okay. And I'm asking, I'm asking you that question because you, like, first of all, you you studied in Leovarden, you um, then also started your business there and now you live in Den Haag and it's a city of peace and justice and your name means yeah. <laughs> peace and justice. Well, That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> my name has several interpretations. I think the one that I landed on was... Um, the person who uh, ensures uh, justice. I mean, it's similar. Um, and the way you define it, it totally sounds right. But I think it's also um, a lot of circumstance, a lot of these things coming together at the same time to just made, made it happen. Mm. Um, because I, I, I did my exchange uh, in, at Michigan State University um, and that was shortly before I had to come back and went before I had to decide on an internship. And actually, I got offered a job in marketing uh, there. And it was mm -hmm. a really well-paid job. And, you know, they were going to pay for my master's and everything. I was like, oh, damn, this sounds... Oh, sorry for... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, snap, you know, this is a lot of money. This sounds really good. And I was always, like, educated to, to just be independent because I come from quite a poor family. Um financially and uh this was a huge thing for me so when i came back i was like you know i'm gonna make some money you know i'm gonna get out of here uh become a consultant or you know do some marketing stuff and then uh there was a huge migration crisis uh in, in europe as we call it and that totally put me on a different path uh and and from then on it it, it took a whole different turn in my life uh, and that's actually when I realized that maybe my I, I wasn't educated to make money, but I was educated on good values and on helping people uh, in an in an effective and efficient way rather than uh, just being independent and financially independent as well. So it was mm. an interesting kind of journey. Super interesting. Through. Yeah. And, and can you maybe also take us a little bit through that process of um, because you said, OK, there was a um, immigration, the, the, the migration crisis then you saw that there's like a need to like maybe like a gap to fill but how does it work yeah. that it's like a young guy so like a young student yeah um after after <laughs> yeah like just come up to say like okay let's let's found a social enterprise and uh, let's build society in motion right how, how does the process work? yeah sure so uh, this was actually a long time coming um and i'm still i, I mean really that's why i love our school uh standard nhl it's called now but I really love our alma mater because uh, at that time they just started a, a sort of trajectory where they said, you know, if you want to start your own business, we're going to give you an office and we're going to give you some mentorship. And that was the perfect opportunity to just look into this whole mess and have time and have space and have good mentors and people around me that were like, uh, you know, we're going to help you develop this. And, and I was just like, just extremely angry. Um, I think that's the biggest motivation that I had back at that time. Um, I, I felt a lot of urgency um, for this issue. 
and that's why i was driven to really do what i do now um and what i did back then was just like have some super vague ideas about what i want to do <laughs> and then um meeting a lot of people i think I, i just took meetings with anybody that i could get that would listen to me that would talk to me they would ask me difficult questions about my ideas um and through that at the end i i organized an uh an, an event to get together because uh, i was at an a, in a city where there was an asylum seeker center in bulk back then uh mm-hmm. and i just invited you know a bunch of people from the asylum seeker center and a bunch of locals because you could really feel the tension on the street it's it's a, it's a tiny village and that coming of that asylum seeker center and coming of those people really brought kind of tension but i really believe in the power of connection i believe, really believe in the power of meeting each other um and that because you don't know something you're you're automatically afraid of it i think that's a really true basic human kind of instinct um so when we then organized that event people got to meet each other and all of the tension immediately went away which was which was beautiful um and then it snowballed from there where um i also spoke to uh the director of um, a festival in leovarde welcome to the village amazing festival so one of my i think my one of my favorite festivals in general mm. and i just said like hey guys uh you know you have 500 volunteers how come none of those are newcomers and they said you know actually what we don't know <laughs> but uh can can you f- can you figure that out for us i was like okay sure and then i went around friesland uh, the province uh, of leovarde and i asked any newcomer that i could find like hey you want to join this festival you know volunteer for a weekend and people signed up and we had um 54 newcomers uh joining the festival as volunteers as as equal human beings you know not as labels as refugees or whatever Mm. um and they participated for for those couple of days they slept in tents they they ate the same food as all the other volunteers and you could see the sparkle coming back to their eyes it was insane to me that a couple of days of just you know uh volunteering can can do that to you um and then you go into how it helps you to build a social network how it builds helps to build a professional network um how it gives you energy and hope and um confidence in yourself to do whatever you want to do um but to come back to this to this general more point of view was i i really just did a lot of research i looked into the gaps i looked into how much I, so i was lo- i was i was i was reading budgets i was reading budgets for i i think i read budgets for a week of any ngo that i could find that i was working with newcomers and i was looking into those and i was thinking how much money are you spending how much impact are you making how much is visible um what is your approach how do you do that um and my result was overall that that was not a great performance of any ngo that i had read about in the netherlands and i was very young and very ambitious so i thought i could do <laughs> a lot better <laughs> so th- that's basically how it started out and of course um a lot of anger came also from having been through the story so my parents fled iran when i was three years old and i grew up in germany as as a kind of uh a uh, refugee if you want to call it that um and being exposed to stereotyping to racism but also to a lot of beautiful things and knowing how tough it can be to to grow up in that environment and then when this crisis happened again i was like oh wait this is not new this is i know i know this how come everybody's pretending like it's something completely new because 
you know, there was like this big shock in all the systems that uh, they didn't know, the government didn't know what to do, the NGOs didn't know what to do, everybody was trying to figure something out. And I was like, this is, this is, we know this. This happened mm. 20 years ago in this country. Um, so, so that's really, that's what drove me to, to have a lot of meetings and then go from there. Yeah. And, and when did it become from like, um, let's say, having like a couple of crazy ideas, organizing small events to, okay, we can actually like create a, a company or like a, a yeah. social enterprise out of that? When, when right. was that, that moment? Was there something specific that happened or does it just happened naturally? Yeah, no, it, it, it happened. Um, so I was extremely idealistic. So I, whenever I met people and I wanted to do a project or whatever, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't need money. Um, I just want to do it. Um, and that was some point around the end of the time that I was organizing events and stuff like that. So around the time that my internship at my own company <laughs> would have ended, um, it so happened that these events that I organized, so there were two events, um, they got really noticed and I was invited to speak and I was invited, you know, for interviews and stuff like that. And then actually there was a, um, a policymaker from a municipality that invited me to draw up a plan to uh, consult on policy in, in that municipality, but also to execute some, some uh, programs for newcomers. And at mm -hmm. the same time, that also happened with that festival. So that was um, the summer of 2017. So right before that sort of internship period ended, that's when, when they asked me, like, hey, can you figure this out? Um, and both from the policymaker, um, I got a budget. And from the festival people, afterwards, we kind of decided on, on some random fee, <laughs> I think, which I, I didn't really, like, I didn't want to take it, but I realized, oh, I need money. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's when it grew into a serious business because then a lot of really smart, amazing people, big shout out to Matea de Jong, um, one of my mentors and, and now really amazing colleagues, who helped grow uh, the New Faces project into what it is now, she came aboard and she said, this is how we can make this bigger and smarter and better. And you need to take care of yourself. You need to go and, and raise some funding, man. And uh, it went from there. Yeah. Yeah. And in 2018, it was, it was, it was insane. I, I, it, 2018 was, I was working 80 hours, I think, every week. Because uh, we were running... Uh, uh, projects at several festivals at the same time um i was working with a team of i think four or five uh, uh folks um who were doing we did we won europe we won two european tenders to work in italy to start a social enterprise there we worked another one to help develop the now biggest ngo for for newcomers in, in croatia um mm. Uh, we did a, a bunch of projects with Leo uh, Friesan Kultur der Hofstadt, so the so the cultural capital of uh, 2018, uh, mm. the the biggest Freiheitsmahlzeit, um, yes, the the biggest Independence Day meal we had organized uh, together with a one day festival to to celebrate the Independence Day of the Netherlands, with I think some some 800 participants, um, and also the the newcomers made that food. So I'm I'm going back and forth in the timeline, but. I mean, it it was intense. It was it was really intense, but but amazing year. Yeah. Yeah, super nice. And if you go more like maybe to a more conceptual level of like society in motion, maybe also for the listener to 
ordered a little bit what is your what is your mission right like with, yeah with the company yeah sorry i'm going all the way across uh, no, that's amazing i get sucked up in my own enthusiasm and then all these memories come up and then um so society motion was started to create a more inclusive society with and through newcomers uh and as i said in 2018 we did a bunch of several kinds of projects where where always the aim was to be as effective and efficient as possible so i did not want to have uh massive budgets and just uh, be stuck at you know paying people and paying myself out outrageous salaries i wanted to have stability um, but i also wanted to be extremely flexible and extremely impactful so whenever we did a project it had to be um rather focused on short term than long term but with a sustainable kind of view in it so we would go in we would do something and that would leave something behind that on its own would grow and become sustainable in that community and then we wanted to move on from that um and uh, looking back now in 2020 the the project with the biggest impact uh certainly is the the new faces project which is um teaching culture organizations teaching is a is a is a bad word uh working together with culture organizations to uh include newcomers as volunteers as artists as producers as as board members wherever mm. to to uh to be included in that organization um and so far i think we've since 2018 we've reached uh two thousand uh newcomers i know of directly that we've involved and there's also a lot of secondary effect of that and that has been done by really with minimum budget and minimum amounts of people working on it. If you try and find an organization that has had an impact on 2,000 newcomers sustainably uh, with the budget and with the people that, that we did or I did, uh, I'll, I'll join that organization. I, I don't know anyone <laughs> that did it. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not trying to show off, but I'm just trying to help you understand that in the in the world of of NGOs in the Netherlands, it's it's you spend twenty thousand euros to help a handful of people, mm. uh, and that's also maybe interesting. Sorry that uh, that interrupt you. Like how is it legislated in the Netherlands? Like the the migration laws or the yeah how how is it regulated from a governmental level? Because I think many people also don't know that. And uh, now you talk a lot already about the NGOs that the NGOs yeah. spend their money. You thought maybe that could <laughs> could spend could be spent differently. Can you like also maybe give a, a small overview of uh, how this is regulated? Sure. So this is a topic we can talk about for two hours, but, but I'll try to <laughs> I'll try to slim it down a bit. Um, and when you have questions, just just interrupt me. So how it, how it works is basically, let's say you're from a war-torn country, you have you have no other option to flee your country because otherwise you'll you'll end up dead or um, worse. Actually, um, you manage to get all the way here to the Netherlands. You apply for asylum, then you your asylum will be processed. Uh, during that time, you spend your time at an asylum seeker center, which is um, usually a very isolated, very cold, very crowded completely desolate kind of place that is not meant to give you hope uh, somewhere in some far away flung village in the Netherlands mm. um, where you spend your time waiting for your process with the with the Dutch government um, to process your case and to to ask you in for questions and then to, to make a decision about your case to give you an idea these things can take um, can be fast can be one year 
it can also take up to 15 years. So imagine spending 15 years of your life in a situation where you're in a country that you don't know, you don't really, you, you don't have language courses, you don't get, you, you don't get taught the, 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 the Dutch language, that doesn't happen. Usually it's volunteers that will try and do that. Um, you don't have a lot of money, you can't go around. Um, and uh, worst of all, you know, you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. A letter could come in tomorrow saying that your request for asylum has been rejected and you have to return to your home country where you mm. know you'll be killed or, or prosecuted. Um, you also don't know where the rest of your family is. You, you don't know how, how they are. Maybe uh, they, they fled together with you and you got uh, separated at some point. Maybe your re relatives are missing in the country where you're from. Uh, so that is that alone, that, that, that living in that sort of transcendental state where you don't know what's going to happen to you every day of your life is, 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 has a massive impact on your, uh, on, on your psychology, psychological well-being, um, which is super hard yeah. to, to understand if you haven't been in that situation. And let's say you are given asylum. So for most people that happened in three to five years, you, you are given a, um, <laughs> a, a non-permanent resident status. I'm laughing because it's ridiculous to think about waiting for years and then you get uh, <laughs> an, another status for like, okay, you're, you're allowed to stay for like three to five years. Yeah. Then you have to follow, you, you are forced, so you don't have an option. Um, by Dutch law, you have to follow integration courses that can take uh, three to five years, depending on how that works. Because in the Netherlands, these integration courses are provided by private institutions. So if you like Marcus tomorrow, you can start up an uh, integration course company. Uh, there's nobody to certify you. You can just get that money from people who, who have to select it themselves. So imagine you don't speak Dutch. But you kind of have to uh, <laughs> select a course that you're going to spend thousands of euros on, which the go Dutch government will, will loan to you. Uh, which you have to pay back. So you immediately start in a position where you are in, in, in the red, where you immediately have debt from day yeah. one because you are given a small credit to, to furnish your place because you, know, you are provided a place at some point, um, uh, usually a tiny, ugly, uh, you know, unseemly place, obviously. Um, there's no preferential treatment or whatever uh, um, for, for you as a, as a newcomer. Uh, so you immediately start with that. You have to try and figure everything out. And following those integration courses can sometimes be really great. There are a couple of schools that I like to work with who are who do amazing work and whose lecturers are really beautiful and amazing people who really have your best interest in mind. But there are also a lot of schools who just give you these kinds of things and you fail your tests. And if you fail your test um, uh, repeatedly, uh, there's 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 a chance that your uh, resident status can be revoked. Uh, you will also be fined if you uh, if you drag on for too long. But let's say you manage to pass all of those, then you can finally naturalize. So probably after you know sometimes five to ten years of being in this country, you can become a permanent citizen. And that's when the period of joblessness, isolation starts, where you don't have any friends, you don't know anybody here, you still don't really understand the culture because these integration courses are not um, 
when when you when you give Dutch people the exams that newcomers have to take, they usually fail. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's always uh, <laughs> like this, right? Exactly. It's 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 a it's a crazy formality, uh, which which is not linked at all to to, to Dutch society. Um, not saying that parts of integration courses are actually really well, you know, really really well developed and uh, language is is being taught. So that's obviously crucial. But in the Netherlands, um, as you know, Marcus, you, you really need to build your own social network. If you if you if you if you lose your job, you know, you you ask your folks in your network, like, hey, you know, can we can we have a coffee and and talk about, you know, job opportunities or whatever? And they say, well, I don't have something, but maybe you know this or that person will have something. And then mm. again, uh, you go from people from person to person to person to person, and at some point you will you figure something out. But for newcomers. Even just to sometimes read the, the letters that they get from the government, sometimes from uh, trying to figure out just the social stuff, you know, making friends is really, really hard to do, which leads people to isolation, which again leads to depression, which which leads to, you know, uh, being jobless for years, even though people really, they really, really try. I mean, if a lot of people that I've met, they've gone through insane hardship um, and they've dealt with massive traumas completely on their own. And then they still get up in the morning and they still send out you know, like 20, 10 to 20 uh, 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 letters to, 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 to try and get a job in the field uh, that they have operated in, given that hopefully your degree has been accepted here in the Netherlands, which also ha you know, not always happens. So then you have to go to college again when you're like in your mid-50s, which is odd, and you've been working as an engineer for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, so there's that craziness as well, but um, I I think in in large that 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 is the process and a weird another weird aspect about this whole procedure is also that um, the Dutch federal government gives a lot of autonomy of this process to the municipalities. Um, so for instance, the Dutch government will tell the people the the the, the municipality in Leeuwarden like, hey. Um, you know, you have these amounts of people coming in, living at your place, living in your municipality. Um, have fun figuring out how to do work, how to do social stuff, how to do psychological stuff. So the whole um, social welfare that that comes into play when you become a, a citizen, when you become even a non-permanent citizen, has to be figured out by each municipality on their own. So you have uh you know tens of municipalities in Netherlands scrambling and this is 2015 16 17 18 still 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 scrambling to write policy to come up with effective ways to uh work with newcomers and that 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 doesn't make sense i mean uh i would work with the municipality of Leeuwarden and i would discuss with them their approach and then i would take a train to snake uh which is the municipality of Südwest Friesland. And then I would discuss with them their policy, which was sometimes completely different. Yeah. And um, coming into neoliberalism, governments, even municipalities, uh, outsource or they hire third parties to take care of these kinds of topics. So then they pay uh, people like me or people like um the dutch um nonprofit organization to primarily help refugees to take our task that maybe isn't in their core but somehow they do it now because there's a need for it 
heart mm. and there's a there's a monetary incentive to do it but it really comes from the good of the heart but it doesn't mean that they are the most qualified the most uh most suitable people to to think of these programs and that's where my kind of uh urgency and my kind of uh, anger came from because i looked at the budgets and i looked at the people and i looked at the programs and i was like this does not make sense <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and it's uh, i find it very like it almost feels a little bit heavy like we talk about it for uh, five minutes and uh, there's so many things that are like already so frustrating to yeah. just to listen to uh like uh yeah, left let alone the actual feeling of, of being in that in that misery right um, yeah. and for what for me was quite interesting is there are so many different levels where it goes wrong mm. so a society in motion or like new faces like what are the like key points that you focus on that you say like okay here we can help the people uh here we can is it then like really on like the network building or is right. it like developing the different programs or can you maybe yeah, also sure on this? sure so in, in 2018 it was really like we'll do anything. <laughs> um, in 2018, uh, my team and I were writing policy, we were doing job programs, we were doing uh, uh, language programs, we were doing um, community building in other countries, we were um, consulting, we were teaching expertise because the need was so huge, you know, we were getting too many requests to, to handle. Um, and I did not want to expand beyond our limits uh, because I, I didn't didn't want didn't want to work with people who don't understand this kind of urgency. Uh, for anybody that I've worked with, it's a very intense job. It's it's a beautiful, it's an amazing job. You really get to make impact, and you really get to meet beautiful, amazing people mm. um, that will teach you a lot about your own life as well, of course. But at the same time, you hear about misery and trauma almost each day. And uh, it, it's beyond the, the nine to five kind of way of working. But what really crystallized itself out of 2018, which then turned into 2019, was for me personally, the, the New Faces project. So New Faces is a project of Society in Motion. And in 2018, we had worked with a number of festivals, amazing festivals in the Netherlands to sort of standardize the approach um, to working with newcomers. Because when I was, whenever I was working with a municipality or whenever I would drop by just you know, to, to have a chat about the things that we're dealing with, I oftentimes really struggled with their motivation. So we always talked about essentially because I really wanted to know why are you doing this? And oftentimes the answer was because it is our task, not because it is our duty, not because these are our new citizens. Um, they all these people have good hearts i don't doubt that but it was always seen as something that has been dropped on them to do which literally happened from the federal government yeah. um, and whenever i spoke to festivals about you know would you be open to working with newcomers i didn't need to give them a speech for half an hour about the urgency and the, and the issues and the things that make me angry and the opportunities and the good things i didn't need to sell it to them i really did not they were like you can stop talking now uh, how do we do this so that was the, the, the big trigger moment for me personally when I realized, oh, they just need to know how instead of why. And that yeah. is a world of difference. Uh, so that's, that's why in 2018, we um, worked together with the uh, University of Groningen um, to do also social impact research, to really research like what happens when we do these kinds of programs. 
um, with the festivals and to write down all the lessons learned from the perspective of the newcomers, from the perspective of the festival people in management positions, but also in like uh, uh, producing, uh, you know, uh, executive kind of positions, um, functional kind of positions. And to carry that knowledge then on into, into, into the small toolkit that we have that you can find on our website, um, which is, <laughs> can I name it? Yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> it's uh, newfaces.ngo. It's in English and in Dutch. Uh, and with that toolkit, you yourself can figure out how to work with newcomers, where you can find them, how to get in touch with them, um, what are some lessons that we learned uh, from, from both sides. And that took a huge turn in 2019 um, because of the amazing people that we had worked with, because of the amazing people uh, that really loved working with newcomers. The, the festivals really embraced those people. And even though there were incidents and sometimes it was, you know, uh, two out of 100 people would, would mess things up. Um, but, but still, they weren't discouraged by it. They wanted to grow from there on. And in 2019 whereas in 2018 i worked with like you know festivals that were somewhat well known in 2019 i worked with for instance with lowlands with uh the dutch film festival Nederlands film festival uh amsterdam dance event and really like these bigger kind of names because we could show that the the approach really worked and then more and more people started to contact me um and said like, hey, I heard th about this new faces thing. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And I was like, sure. Download the toolkit, <laughs> read it. And then if you have questions, you can call me back. Um, and yeah, I think the toolkit, like, is, uh, because I also read it before, of course. Oh, wow. And okay. It's uh, super, uh, super interesting to read for everyone, not only if you organize oh, a, a festival. How good of you, Marcus. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared. Well-prepared host. <laughs> of Amazing. Um, and, and I think that, this is i think one of the very crucial things that you said because sometimes it's not so much about the why because i do think that a lot of people want to help but they just it's so difficult to say like yeah where to start which organization to reach out to uh, how do i do that how do i operationally set that into place who exactly. is watching them what if something goes wrong and i think that this, this gives really such a good overview of like also the learnings because i've, I've maybe this is the most important part actually from that whole experiences like what what they can expect or not expect <laughs> or what right. the, like that yeah that i found uh yes very good so i will also Thank definitely so link, it, link it in the the show notes of the the show because i think it's um, important for for everyone to to check it out um i have uh, another question concerning like your two projects um abroad like you have one in naples and one in Zagreb, but you also mm. said you built the biggest uh ngo uh, community there yeah, to no to clarify, so there was already an NGO, a, a grassroots initiative um, that that operated there, mm -hmm. and uh, we originally actually you we worked we were we were we won the tender to work with a different organization, and we did a country visit where in I think three or four days with the amazing team that I work with, we we barely slept we we, we had meetings all day and we went from place to place and we barely saw anything of 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 the beautiful city of Zagreb. Um, because we were just so focused on our work and we, we spoke to so many people and we actually realized that the original company that we, we wanted to work with is not the right partner. And we spoke to this amazing grassroots initiative, um, Are You Serious? And 
I think in the first five minutes we realized th these were the people, and everybody like we we sat back back in the car and we we're like, okay, these these are the people we need to talk to, <laughs> and uh, we got some leniency from from the project partners at that point, um, and we were able to switch that around in a in a in a friendly and uh, respectful way, and um, they really grow from from their passion from what they do into a, a much more uh, visible and coordinating role than they were in 2018. I think they did a lot on their own. Not, I, I don't think you can credit a lot to us. But what we did do is uh, we just we we exchanged a lot of knowledge and we we exchanged a lot of uh, approaches because, in a sense, what happened in in Zagreb in in 2018 uh, when I was there uh, was their beginning of the arrivals of the newcomers. So they weren't dealing yet a lot with work um, in the way that we were doing in the Netherlands. So it was like two years back in, in a way for us. So we could give them a lot of knowledge and insight about what is going to happen most likely and how to approach these kinds of subjects and also talk with them about their staff and about how, they how to deal with volunteers and how to um, deal with, with a number of subjects that, that, are, that really touch every subject. Um, and of course, it's it's a much different kind of context to operate in because Croatia is an Eastern European country, and Eastern Europe, uh, the the bloc has been uh, dealing with newcomers a, a lot more harshly than 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 us in Western Europe. So, um, they are really a truly amazing organization because they have been threatened and graffitied and. They they wow. ha they get they get so much like it, it's 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 unimaginable for me to to be to do the work that they are doing because they are they really get up every day and they really have to deal with you know personally being followed or being sued for the work that they do mm. in the name of in the name of justice in the name of humanity um, so huge shout out to them but they have also you know since then spoken at uh, panels for the European Union um, and and really been doing their own thing but i think they are now the, the 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 most recognized in 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 eastern europe if not at least in in uh, croatia when it comes to um, working with newcomers yeah is that like because i mean now you have yeah three years of experience of uh, also maybe not three years of experience in different countries but like uh, for sure uh, an overview of the how let's say the society also interacts with uh, newcomers in different countries Do you think there's like a sort of like a cultural difference how the society perceives the interaction with uh, newcomers? Like, I mean, prejudice, uh, xeno xenophobia, mm. um, like racism, you name it. Is there is there a difference or is it pretty much everywhere like a little bit the same of like yeah. people don't really know how to interact or or, or, I, or other differences? You know, that's that's the thing. I, it's It's just... Uh, the political machines that are in actions, they really shape a lot of opinion. Uh, it's the same in the Netherlands, the same in Italy, same in Croatia. The more the, the political machines are active in shaping opinions, of course, I mean, uh, when there were European elections, I mean, there was so much... Um, uh, it was so scary because of all the far-right movements gaining so much support. Mm. Um, same for us in Germany, of course. AfD, uh, you and I uh, know how how this must feel. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, unfortunately it does. 
Um, but when you talk to people who follow these kinds of movements and you ask them, like, to you know, with how many newcomers have you actually sat down and, and talked to for half an hour, one hour, eye to eye, a private human conversation, like 99% you'll get uh, never. And yeah. that is, again, the same thing in every country. When you can, when you create a setting where you can sit down, where you can, when you are equal, and you can have a conversation one to one, one on one, and and you find the topics that you uh, that you connect on, um, that can be anything, that can be family, that can be your dreams, that can be hobbies. Uh, these are the same for every human being in the world. Everybody has family, everybody has friends. Uh, the the concept of hobbies is is somewhat existent in some countries. Mm. Uh, even you know in in rainforest tribes you you have order and you have friends and and family etc. So when you talk about these things, it really humanizes you, um, and that's where we connect all of us, and that's where we stop thinking about the refugees, the the migration crisis, blah blah blah. But you start thinking as oh these are humans, and yeah. oh maybe you know it's not, it's not such a big deal. Um, that's the red line I see. So there's 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 a there's a huge potential in every far right movement, you know, whatever, or a politician who who screams from the top of his lungs, you know, we need to push back. Mm. Um, those folks that that when they sit down and they talk and they connect, that there's that there can be a really big transformational change happening in them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I find it sometimes so like um how to to say that the best uh strange <laughs> let's put it like that that we are we live in a society that everything is so transparent and that we are so open and that we are so like well educated but still um xenophobia is such a big topic everywhere yeah is your opinion that it's media and politics that push that kind of like yeah. maybe more narrative. to the right than to the left. Mm -hmm. I, uh, um, I, I think that what we have now more than than in any other time in the world is our own echo chambers, our own, in Dutch as a nice word, say, uh, uh, or, or you know, you're in your yeah. most of the time you're in your own bubble, yeah. and social media like Facebook and Twitter, they of course suggest a lot of topics that reinforce only your worldview instead of expanding it, right? So if you follow a lot of the same kind of far-right groups already, um, Facebook will suggest more groups and articles published on social media than uh, anything that's from the from the left, right? Mm. Uh, so these kinds of things make it really hard. You'll also find that uh, news consumption happens now on a such larger scale on social media than uh, five to ten years ago uh, yeah. that adds only into this whole echo chamber effect and through that i think people are connected with each other who really then uh, connect be. on a human level no 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 no, yeah. no who, who, who i think they connect on a human level again on a topic that they share which is their uh non-superficial hate for uh for 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 the topic or or the concept of of refugees or my you know migrants when they never have had the chance to talk to them um, mm. so i think that's a big issue at the moment and also that of course loneliness in in any uh, major city in the world has been increasing steadily 
yeah. over the, the last years. You know, you live in Amsterdam, I live in The Hague. Uh, loneliness is, is a huge factor and huge contributor for uh, mental health issues, uh, but also at some point to physical issues. Um, so because of that reason, I think it's really hard to uh, organically inter interact with the topics that are, you know, really pushed um, in the media. And I personally, I don't consume uh, mainstream media because it, it, it really gives me a lot of uh, anxiety and uh, narratives that are that are pushed so hard that it's sometimes hard to feel safe when you're home. Yeah, you know, that's, sure. a, that's a crazy thought, no? But if you really listen to your body and you, you see the news, it, it, it's tough. It's tough, and people Especially have in Central Europe, right? <laughs> it's in Central Europe, if we look at yeah. the, the the awful things that have happened in the last weeks, um, terrorist attacks, it's it it feels crazy. But if you have that news channel, whichever news channel, running all day, and this is what you do because you don't have anything else to do, or because it's just running on the side, it really impacts you subconsciously. Um, it makes you feel scared when you go outside. I think. No, but people aren't aware of that as well. So that's that's where the difficulty arises. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I find your work so impressive, actually, because uh, to go against such a big uh, movement uh, that is also like getting bigger, so it's not it's not getting smaller, uh, and uh, contributing to to like a better yeah better society. I think that's a very beautiful beautiful thought, actually, and and uh, yeah, big kudos to to your work and to your team what you're doing like on a on a daily level that's uh... that's that's very kind of you but it honestly doesn't feel like that it, it we uh i mean we 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 just do what we think is fun uh so for me uh, you know my now my job is to to go to talk to festivals and those are amazing inspirational people and they already want to work with newcomers so like 90% of my job is done. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then uh, we just work together and figure out the details and then they execute it themselves and they they love it. And the newcomers love it and everybody's happy and it grows from there year to year. Uh, organizations involve them deeper and deeper inside. And uh, I, I don't feel the, the resistance. I don't feel... Uh, the, I, I don't oftentimes have, unfortunately, interactions with people who are completely from the other side. I do yeah. oftentimes have the conversations with people who are maybe on the middle ground and they ask, like, you know, I've read this newspaper article that you know they get so much money and that it's so easy for them and why are they not doing anything? And then I'm happy to sit down and really talk I to you openly <laughs> yeah, for half an hour. I mean, but that's just one person, you know, and, and mm. that's where... That's why culture organizations are such amazing front runners. Because if you think about a festival, it's 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 a village. It's it needs electricity, it needs water, it needs food. Um, it 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 oftentimes has its own radio. It, it, a bunch of people come together, and they have also massive media reach. Yeah. So when you have all of these people coming together, all of these festival people who come also from wide range of backgrounds. Um, and they interact with newcomers as volunteers or whatever. That's where you really change a lot of hearts and minds quickly. So it's so it's so it's a scaled up uh, steroid kind of method of uh, of <laughs> of uh, increasing the the chances of uh, meeting people 
um, and and sharing that story with everybody in a in a way that is critical and true and honest and 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 happy to read yeah mm. and if you look maybe like a little bit in a in a future a build up do you think that it would be possible at one point because we have uh, a lot of uh, like women quota in companies to diversify management boards we have uh, yeah. quota of uh, disabled people needing to to join companies and uh, in a certain size yeah um do do you think that at one point we will have a percentage of uh, newcomers in every company do you think that at I, one point the <laughs> government would regulate like this uh a quota for newcomers i i so mm, i don't know if, if a quota would be the best thing i i haven't thought about this is actually an interesting that's why i love talking to people about this this is a really interesting insight from you marcus to to think about whether a quota would be an interesting or effective kind of tool to involve newcomers i need to think about that i just you know i'm not a big fan of it but but in the end um it i think it, it also yeah. did something right right i mean it, it does lead up to something what what i think is more effective is if we start if we stop think to think about newcomers as different uh mm. because in the end that's also the narrative that we have in the toolkit the narrative that we that we see reflected that that come from a lot of people that we work with is that in the beginning they they start to worry like oh you know maybe they need special treatment maybe we need to have a buddy system for them because they won't find their way i mean they found their way halfway across the world on their own to your festival so i'm sure they will figure out where to go for their lunch break yeah. um but uh it, it's human it's because they want to care take care of them um but if we stop think to think about newcomers as others but also just as human potential Because at some point they do speak perfectly Dutch or they do speak fluently English and maybe that's exactly the the what your organizations need. Marcus, you told me you don't speak Dutch, um, but English is enough for you to to do your job. And uh, that's the same thing for a lot of other newcomers. So yeah. what makes so what makes you different than all the other newcomers that I work with? There, there's not a at, at some point there's really no big distinction that we can make about that. Mm. Um, but the beauty of it is that when you work with newcomers, obviously that diversity will lead to innovation. I mean, uh, that's what I've seen in any field that when you invite people who come from a different background, that it leads to new ways of thinking about stuff and also new ways of working with audiences. So I've worked concrete example. I've worked with, um, uh, someone classical music festival who, who keep trying, they, they really do a great job at innovating. Um, their format and and at the same time trying to please the 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 typical classical music audience which is you know the the 60 plus kind of you know uh, well off kinds of demographic with mixing it with new topics and making it fun and interactive and interesting for all sorts of ages and that's a topic that every classical music organization in the world <laughs> is dealing with right now how do we find new audiences yeah. and last year they invited 100 newcomers in, in really no time and, and my head off to them to join as public. And this year, again, most of those people came back and this time there were also interns, uh, et cetera. So it's, so it's also a way to, to innovate your format and to solve problems that you thought of being unsolvable. But now that you have these new people, these new opportunities, you sometimes find it super easy to just get a step ahead. Yeah. That's really amazing. Like 
we are now 50 minutes into the talk. Yeah. And I heard I heard you saying a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I worked 80 hours hours a week. <laughs> we barely slept. We we had to do a lot of work. Um, how does a typical uh, workday look for you? So I, I think you have to ask that question pre-corona or during Corona, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that changed. Uh, let's say, let's say uh, before. Yeah, before so before Corona is also more interesting. So in 2018, I almost had a burnout, um, uh, and in my life, I also dealt, uh, you know, a lot with difficult topics. But that burnout really almost burnout, luckily, um, made me change my tempo. And when I moved to The Hague, uh, I almost took the whole year to uh, physically and mentally recover from that intense kind of year. And I also totally scaled down my operation. So now um, I, I don't have a team. I work with uh, people who are flexible. And sometimes I, I call them up and I say, hey, could you help out with this or that? Um, and, and I work with an amazing newcomer who's who's gonna help out with the productions of next year. Um, but I've scaled down a lot, and I've looked at what is essential, and I selected the or, or I saw the potential of the New Faces project, and put all my time in that. Um, and uh, what I did was in 2019 was was get up at a random time of day. Um, I, I tried to go to sleep at around the same time, and I tried to get up around the same time. But that could have been different on, on several days. And then I would, depending on meetings or whatever, I would um, take my foldable bike. <laughs> I would go to the train station, uh, sit in the train for three hours or somewhat, go to some uh, city in the Netherlands and visit the festival and talk to the people and, and figure stuff out and, and go back um, and talk with... So last year we had a really cool cooperation with the... Um, National Police Headquarters here in The Hague um, who organized an innovation congress and they they really were extremely enthusiastic about uh, working with newcomers as volunteers and and facilitating these um, uh, meetings face-to-face -face with police agents to build trust but also to uh, increase awareness and, and that was really beautiful that totally came from their side and they just asked me to help to facilitate that and that was one of those corporations that couldn't have happened if I was working 80 hours a week and I was just tired and stressed and, and these things because I was also, I mean, in 2018, I was, I was a kid. I was, I was barely graduated and um, suddenly had to take care of uh, finances and, and contracts and um, uh, managing plane tickets to countries where potentially, you know, governments would track where we'd go. <laughs> so yeah. these were insane circumstances. And I learned a lot from that. I took all of those lessons in. I reflected on those. I, I grew a lot as a person. And now I make conscious a lot more. Uh, I make choices a lot more consciously and make sure that I always feel um, well when it comes to my mental and physical well-being before I go and I go broader or whatever. Um, yeah, so because this was also... Yeah. One of uh, one of the questions uh, that that I had, uh, uh, besides the unbelievable pace and all the working hours and all that, I think you're also exposed to very heavy stories, to a lot of faith, yeah. to a lot of families, yeah. to a lot of hardship. Jesus, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's how do you like? How did you learn to or st still do? I mean, you're still in this environment. Mm. Uh, we talked about the frustrating situations, about the waiting, mm. about the uncertainty. So how do you personally also cope with with 
being always exposed in this kind of like an yeah. environment um i've i've distanced myself a lot from um these really intense one-on-one -on -one kind of things so uh, what i do now in general is I, f i facilitate the process um but i don't go to the festival to accompany each new so what i would do in 2017 was i i got up really early in the morning and i went to the festival and i checked in on every newcomer that that there was every day and i checked out with them every day um and i i spoke to them sometimes for hours and hours on end um and that was emotionally very very intense because it was it was also really beautiful uh, i learned a lot uh, from that but it was indeed also really intense um and what i learned from that is that first of all it is not necessary to do that <laughs> so uh people that sign up for the festivals themselves uh they are able to handle it you don't need to check in with them this much as much as i did they are incredible resilient uh positive human beings otherwise they wouldn't be up for going somewhere for, for instance we we had a festival Uro. Uh, and into the Great Open, who were taking place on Terschelling uh, and Vlieland. Those are, you know, two of the Dutch islands. Uh, and and one of these guys was from Turkey. Amazing guy. Uh, he just, he was like, you know, I don't really have much to do, so I can also help with setting up the festival. So he spent, I think, all in all, three to four weeks <laughs> in a tent, in a complete, like, even more foreign environment. In, uh, in, in one of the Dutch islands where it was raining, where it was cold, where it was difficult. And he loved every second of it. I mean, that's, that's, that's isn't amazing. that the most amazing thing to hear? Um, and that's, and that's why I was like, okay, I, I really need to, I don't need to do this. If there was a necessity, I would find ways to do it. But there isn't, yeah. so I'm not. And I was, you have to really clarify for yourself, where can I be most effective and where can I make the most impact? Mm. So I'm never going to decline a call from from any of the newcomers but oftentimes when newcomers call me or they app me or whatever i ask i try to find out what the problem is what the root of the problem is and i and i will try to um, guide them to the right organization because there are now uh there's a well-divided way of of dealing with these issues and there are organizations that deal with so, so for instance let's say you need to find a new place or you need to find you need to find a, uh, uh, a, a new integration course or whatever there are organizations that will help you figure this out um, and i will try to guide them through that or to that organization so because they are much more knowledgeable than i am mm. so instead of taking everything on my own shoulders i try to find the most impactful organization or, or person that can take care of that um, but but you never learn to I'm, I'm, I, I still think about a lot of these stories and I still think about um, all the good and bad things that, that have happened and all the horrible and beautiful things that people have told me. Mm. And I don't think I will, I will ever let them go. But uh, the, the, the hardship that comes with it is also the, the, the beauty you will find in life. If everything is always light, breezy and, and fun, there is no deeper meaning to it. You need to have two sides to appreciate and to go a bit deeper. Um, yeah. No, I read a lot of interviews from you the past couple of days. And 
we just had a talk briefly before we started recording the podcast and you said i did like 50 60 interviews already about that topic and you talk a lot a lot about that topic you have like panels and everything but even though i cannot see you right now but i hear how your um yeah your positivity how your eyes light up how, how hopeful you, are. <laughs> you see it you feel yeah. it we don't see each other but you feel it yeah, yeah but like where's that uh, positivity or, or that that hope coming from or like maybe like what are you doing for yourself to to never lose lose the the faith uh i love that question i love that question nobody has asked me that question i, I really love that question marcus and and thank you so much for for recognizing that and and feeling that with me together that's also uh special i i, I think it really comes from i'm i'm generally a very curious person and uh our university has really taught me to uh, meet people and not judge them once but to be curious about them and to uh drive to get them to know them better so if i go to a party and there's somebody standing in a corner and they don't want to talk to me i really want to know why <laughs> so i really want to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and understand how they think and understand how they make decisions and if you do that you will be endlessly surprised um and that's the same thing with newcomers and that's the same thing with the people that i've worked with is that um their drive and their passion and their magic and, and their love that they bring to this makes you feel supported because you feel like you're not the only person that hosts this. You're mm. not the only person that cares about this topic, but you're actually a big alliance of human beings uh, who love, the, just who, who, who can give a lot of love to, to people that they have never met before. And through that love, you build uh, a sense of solidarity. And then when I was down or when I was doubting myself, uh, usually those people would feel that. And, and also strangers would, would just come up to me and say, like, you know, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Um, and I had amazing partners uh, and friends uh, who are a great support system. So, so you have this three-way split between life being the factor for you know surprising you endlessly you have the solidarity and love you get from people you don't know uh, and you have your own support system of amazing people uh, that you can rely on and that can you know break your fall in in tough moments but also in happy moments can make them make the high so much higher you know <laughs> that's that's yeah, what makes definitely. it lovely um yeah, you get. I, I can talk about this endlessly, but you get also inspired so much. I work oh. with really crazy people, like <laughs> I can't in, in the most in the, in the most fun sense, really in the most fun sense. I did the most like stuff that I've I would have never thought about doing. Um, uh, just so much entertaining, fun, honest stuff. Uh, that is just. Uh, that that if if you would have gone through the same experiences, I think we would have both chosen to to continue with it. I mean, yeah. um, it's it's and, hard and what, not to. It's hard not to. And what was your highest high so far, or your oh. most favorite moment? Oh, uh, oh no no. Let, let, let's rephrase. What was the first moment, like your first yeah. favorite moment? Let, let's say your oh first oh moment. I love that. Oh, this is tough. This is really tough. I think my first oh. 
it, it was a little bit of a bittersweet moment. Um, it was 2017. I think it was almost at the end of the first festival that I've ever worked with. And I had these two guys um, who participated as newcomers at the festival. And they were from completely different company, uh, countries. And we were walking somewhere. Uh, and they said, they were talking about tents. Um, because these two guys said like, yeah, you know, remember, were you also in Greece at the border? And uh, remember the rain in Greece? And they said, like, yeah, the, the, the rain was really uh, intense, right? I mean, yeah, it was really horrible. And so like, yeah, I had to set up and move my tent every day because of all the mud and all the all the uh, wet spots and he said yeah, yeah i totally recognize that and he, and then the first guy said that really helped me <laughs> to now at the festival help all those dutch people <laughs> <laughs> to set up their tents That's amazing. and i was like how insane is life that you pick up a skill because you are forced to to leave your country you are stuck in a really horrible situation somewhere around the world and you used you reapply that skill in a completely different context and in a way that helps you make connections in a way that helps other people i don't think anybody would have any writer would come up with that scenario i mean that's just that's just too insane for me to to think about and that was really a moment where i was like whoa <laughs> like yeah that's beautiful this this is this is really something we're doing here and uh seeing their eyes and seeing seeing how happy they were and, and how lighthearted they were talking about this topic uh whereas a couple of days before they were really down and really like you know downcast and uh completely different energy i was like okay you know I, i'm doing something that is meaningful i'm doing something that people enjoy something that they take comfort out of let's go <laughs> let's yeah. go Super nice. I have one last question. Sure. And, uh, th th You're welcome. No, no, uh, go ahead. It's 100% true. This is fun. I, I love this. Th three more final questions, but I think this is, for me, mo the most important question because uh, I also put them put that last. Because a lot of times you spend your time in your small cosmos, in your, in your small bubble, and something happens in, in life or in, in the world, and you think like, oh my God, this is so bad. Um, there are hotlines that you can donate mm. and then you pick up your phone and you spend oh, right. maybe yeah. 50 euro. Yeah. So sometimes I think myself, so what can I do? What can I, or how can I help to, for example, um, accelerate the inclusion in my society, in my cosmos, in my country? Like what tips would you give? Uh, it's a great question. It's a really great question because oftentimes when we do these kinds of short-term donation things, it's it's really more about in a way buying off the guilt that we also feel because you feel you feel shitty at that mo in that situation you feel like catastrophes have happened and you need to do something but you can't really go to i don't know anywhere across the world to 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 do i mean you can but you know most people won't no. um i personally won't uh a whole different topic but <laughs> uh be effective where you can be effective that's that's the biggest thing and where you can be effective is the place where you live And what is really precious is your time and your way to talk to people. And as I said, isolation is really the biggest struggle for newcomers, especially. And in every city by now, there are, especially Amsterdam, where you live, Marcus, there are so many uh, organizations um, that connect newcomers with 
a local inhabitant not to do anything not to not to you know go on crazy rides or figure out their lives but also just to sit down once a week for an hour to have a talk that's it uh because that really helps people to practice the language but also just to get out of their house find a way find a find a rhythm um and it's also for yourself a really beautiful way to uh, create a network outside of your own um uh, usual uh, bubble indeed yeah and i think that's a, that's a that's the fastest way you can do something is when you donate your time instead of donating your your money and when you go and meet these people in an equal manner um i think that's also important be be aware of privilege be aware of your standing because you're you know people here that are very accomplished and they also feel uh entitled i do too obviously uh but we need to check those things before we sit down with another human being who has uh, who 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 on many levels is exactly as much worth as we are there there is no difference there mm. doing that is really the best way to to accelerate this to to move forward because then you can have a story to tell that will inspire others and through that story other people will get engaged and um just as a short example one of my colleagues who I worked with at a festival she did this kind of uh, language exchange kind of thing with one guy um i think more than a year ago and she said last like we spoke a couple of weeks ago and she said like just now i could really talk to him in a much more deeper level about you know really personal things because we've built that trust over time and now i have a really good friend in my yeah. in my inner circle of people that i know and i think that's also beautiful and and unique that you can gain new friends and best friends through an act of going somewhere in a cafe to sit down for an hour and yeah. now these things also happen for zoom so you know different format same intention same same inspiration yeah super beautiful so definitely you're gonna gonna look at that but i think it's uh, interesting for everyone not only for myself but i think uh, yeah, was, yeah you, you as to, the you as the listener not you yeah. marco specifically no, no, but, but but also but also me <laughs> you know i think this is the the beautiful thing that it uh, should always start with yourself because this Absolutely. is the i think that's the most difficult step um as yeah well. yeah um, because if it's you exciting. sometimes want to do something else i i know that uh, my girlfriend and myself we we also said okay we are very entitled like we live a, a good life so let's maybe mm. also start to give back but sometimes it's also not that easy um i looked into um like uh, packing uh packing um, groceries for for uh -huh. homeless people and right the times were not manageable if you yeah if you, if you work mean, right yeah so then they say like I, I, yeah between I, 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 three and uh, or two and 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 four you have to be somewhere it's like you have to yeah. take days off to to help right <laughs> it's crazy well i yeah, think like crazy probably you know it would be <laughs> better to have it at six so that, that's why i think sometimes it's also it sounds also like an excuse uh, of course there, there's something no, that you can no. find but but um you know it's, it's sometimes it's not that easy to to do something or like um to have an impact i feel you i i feel you because um in the netherlands we have really organizations dedicated in each municipality whose sole job it is to pick up questions from organizations or from you know needs and to connect it to volunteers. And that sometimes can be a really frustrating procedure because you have to sign up and newsletter and conversation and blah, blah, blah. Before you, before you do anything, it's like weeks have passed and it's hard to discern which organizations do a really good job, which organizations do less so and where it can be faster. But 
I would always go for the ones that um, have a number you can call because then you can talk to an actual human being and you can express your intentions mm. and your situation. And if they immediately redirect you to a form, you know what's up. But if they if they really listen and they say, you know, this sounds cool, this sounds interesting, this is something we need, um, then y- you are immediately m- much further ahead than ending up in the process. It's it's also the Netherlands, and and we both come from Germany, <laughs> number one bureaucratic country in the world, <laughs> um, where where all of these forms happen. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of that process. We just have to keep trying. And it's I find it really impressive that you and your girlfriend want to give back and that you're aware of that and that you keep trying. I mean, that's 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 really that's that's inspirational to so any again. listener right now. No, no, it's amazing. Yeah, great. Yeah. Wow. So uh, very nice. Um, I think the past hour was uh, very insightful for me. Um, I slowly want to also bring bring home the podcast. I have always uh, three final questions. But I just want to summarize a little bit quickly uh, yeah, what, we, what we've been through together. I think a uh, super interesting story. Um, you can really feel with every fiber of your body how driven you are and how focused you try to push that topic forward uh, until uh, almost <laughs> almost being uh, um, uh, burned out, uh, <laughs> working 80, 90 hours a, a week, which is, uh, which is really insane. And then following that overall beautiful topic. So I think... Um, yeah, really one of the most Im- impressive uh, podcast episodes I think that I've recorded. So uh, first of all, thank you for thank that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I always have like three final questions. Um, I hope they are quick questions. Uh, so the first one is, uh, what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at? Mm, patience has always been a big topic for me. <laughs> yeah. Patience. I'm I'm not very patient. That can be a good and a really bad thing. Um, I need to be more patient, I think, with, with <laughs> some things. I, I don't, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Nice. Uh, which title would you give this chapter of your life? Ooh. Oh, I love this. Um, I would say, oh, this is tough. Uh, <laughs> let's let's hear the next one and maybe we'll come back to this one, okay? The <laughs> next one is not going to be easy. Um, the next one is, if you could send an SMS to every mobile phone in this world, what would you say? Love connects us all. Let's connect together. Meet your neighbor. Uh, meet people that you don't know. Embrace them and you'll be loved back. I think that was actually easy. <laughs> that was easy. Yeah. I think I think you exceeded the 150 signs, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll add some. We'll, we'll switch some words with emojis, and then we'll exactly. make it work. <laughs> uh, chapter of my life, I would say this is the this is the Corona forced self reflection uh, planning phase for the European expansion of new faces, where in in 2022 you will find hopefully in every country in in every european union country the new faces project and where uh it will become more and more mainstream and and a standard to work with newcomers in your organization which will dribble down to the rest of of industries and governments and um maybe the chapter would also be <laughs> it's a long uh, long chapter title yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it would also be the hope to not be needing to do this work for much longer 
I hope that I'm not necessary soon and that I can tackle uh, a lot of other topics which I really deeply care about. Yeah. And that's that's going to be then part two of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, six years, you said. Uh, so, so in six years again, uh, Marcus. And, 2026. Uh, 2026, we'll meet up. Uh, by then in person um by then in person yeah and, and then cool. chat and, and see how things have developed again thank you so so much for for having me here thank you so much for all the work you do uh on the podcast all the time you take out of your own schedule next to your full-time job to to do this work and uh spreading so much inspiration and stories to to everybody out there in a useful yeah. format uh, we talked about we're both avid podcast listeners so um a good way to to talk to hear to to hear our voices while working out or <laughs> cleaning yeah, exactly. dishes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be not possible with uh, humans like you. So I'm I'm very thankful. And uh, yeah. was that was Thank that a, so was was that a pun on my name? Humans? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like a, a candy. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Just Thank kidding. you so much. And, Thank you. Uh, let's talk soon. Yes. Thank you. And exhale. One reason why I started this podcast because I wanted to entertain people and I wanted to people to have fun. And today in the podcast, I found it it was very entertaining. We had a lot of fun with human. I think he's a very nice human being with a very good heart. But I also found the message that he delivered very heavy. And I want to talk about two things uh, in this outro quickly with you. One, I think. It was very frustrating. We talked five minutes about the process of the newcomers getting integrated into society. And I found it so, so frustrating to see how long it takes that people have the bare minimum to live and they have a long, long, long waiting time until they can get to something, until they can start a new life. So I hope that this podcast educated you uh, that far that when you hear someone talking about how much newcomers get and they will steal our jobs that you're now able to speak up also to people that spread the news um, if it's the media or if it's people around you that this is simply not true the second thing that i want to talk about is a lot of times you ask yourself what can i do to help those people and i think human created a lot of structure he created a lot of agencies he created projects and he created a lot of things to get involved so you don't have to build all that up like the groundwork has already been done and i think what you can do is uh, check your environment uh, check your neighborhood are there people that you can help with uh, as human described in the in the interview a little bit sometimes it's just a zoom call sometimes it's just getting to know uh, another culture uh, spending one hour a week against isolation against uh, loneliness and maybe this is a nice thing especially now in the winter time that everyone is checking the surroundings checking in with the people and it doesn't always need to be newcomers it can also be uh, your neighbors or friends or anyone around you that is lonely and especially in the times with the isolation with the covid period i think we have to look out for each other so this is the lesson of the week and i hope everyone is following this if you have any questions to human himself i will link his email address in the descriptions if you want to visit the site it is society in motion the url is so-mo.org or you can go to newfacesfestival.nl to get all the information how you can set up a festival 
helping newcomers to get integrated into society. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast again. I think it was very, very important and there are very important messages that everyone once and for all has to understand. If anyone is still in doubt, show them the podcast episode, let them listen to it, get educated. And until then, we see each other next week. Yours truly, Marcus.